Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, Social Security recently announced the biggest increase to monthly payments in about 40 years, a rise of nearly 6%. It's got to be great news for recipients of Social Security, right? Especially considering that over the last 10 years, no annual increase has exceeded 3%. In 2015, there was no increase at all. That highlights one of the toughest things about retirements, retirement investing at least, creating an income that keeps ahead of inflation. But Social Security is not the only game in town, is it? There are other ways to achieve growing income. For example, dividend stocks. If you're not familiar with companies that pay dividends, you should be. Dividends are simply a share of a company's profits, typically set out every three months. While there are no guarantees, some companies have been paying dividends literally for decades without missing a beat, as well as increasing them every year. Let me give you an example. Take 3M, Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing, you know 3M? Okay. They have increased their regular dividend every year for more than 50 years. In 1989, they were paying 32 cents a share. Last year, $5.88 a share. That's a compound growth or annual growth rate of 10%. That's way better than Social Security's delivered. And dividends, unlike the pathetic interest you're earning at the bank, can get favorable tax treatment. Rather than rates as high as 37%, qualified stock dividends are taxed at a rate from zero to a maximum of 20%. So now you see what attracts income investors to dividend stocks. They're tax-advantaged retirement income that has the potential to increase. And here's more icing on the cake. Your principal can also rise. In 1989, 3M was going for about 20 bucks a share. Now it's more than 180 No bank account produces returns like that, my friend. Of course, no free lunch. There's always risk when investing in any stock, no matter how, how high the quality. To minimize that risk, you got to learn some fundamentals. And guess what? That's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. We're going to talk about how to find the best dividend stocks step by step. And we're going to do it without making your eyes glaze over, I hope. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Miranda Marquette. Hi, Miranda. Hello. And producer and sometimes contributor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Three. Okay, guys, before we get started, our usual disclaimer, should you hear about investments on this podcast, and you will, that doesn't mean that they're recommendations. You never invest based solely on anything you hear on this podcast because we don't know your personal situation. You got to form your own opinions. You got to make your own decisions. Okay, now let's get to the topic at hand. All right. I'm going I'm to start right off with a question. Good, please. Now, this is about dividends, and, and we just did a podcast about investing in stocks. Obviously, um, this is kind of, 3M is kind of hitting both. Yes. If you look at a chart on 3M, in 20, starting in 2018, I mean, from uh, 3M kind of like rose out of the, the trenches way up high to 2018. Then between 2018 and 2020, that stock started dropping. It just kept going down and down and down and down and down until it, it went from uh, uh, 247 and it dropped all the way down to uh, 181 before the market tanked because of COVID. Right. And now it's crawled back up to the 180s, which was where it was before it tanked and in, in, uh, in before, before it tanked in COVID. So... This company was already going down before COVID happened, and yet it's still paying out dividends and whole nine yards, and you're saying it's a good stock pick. Why is this company a good stock pick? I mean, from the charts, it's telling me that, well, it was on the, it was kind of on a downslide before 
if it hit. And now it seems like everybody's investing in it just because they are. And yet it is a gigantic company. It is a really good company. It doesn't, it's in every facet. It seems like it's something you'd pick, but it's, it's just, it, it has weird, it just shows me weird things on a graph. So I just don't quite get how you'd know this is good or yeah, anything. Yeah, well, and what's the difference between picking was, a good it was stock higher and in 2018 than it is now. Uh, it was significantly higher. Like two, it was like 250 bucks a share. I'm looking at a chart of it now too. Um, so you're right, Aaron. I mean, for two years straight, this company was on a decline. It's like yes. That, that, and by know. the way, I wasn't and suggesting sudden, three, although I'm going to mention it again. I, I but, know that. I'm just saying, but, how, how do you say, like, this is a great dividend company. Okay, so it's paying dividends. No matter if it's going down or up, this company's paying out dividends. And yet my chart is saying, well, this is kind of a scary company. For two years, people are, like, selling off their stocks. Let, let, me, let me go back to 3M and look at, look at the long-term chart. Look at it, like, all, like all the information available. Uh, okay, so 3M. Okay, look at that chart, though, Aaron. If you're going back to 1981. 3M was seven dollars and forty-five cents, six dollars and twenty-two cents in nineteen seventy-nine. Okay, and granted, it's not where it was in in two thousand seventeen at two hundred thirty-five dollars a share, but it's way the hell more than seven. It's one hundred eighty dollars a share now, and it was seven dollars, you know, many years ago. So this may not be the best of all companies, but it's not that bad when you look at the long-term chart. It has been higher, certainly, but that doesn't mean that it's a horrible stock. It's done well. Well, and I think it's, I mean, I mean, it's just one of those things too, right? Where you have to look at it in terms of like, okay, um, it's been a long-term dividend paying stock. Um, maybe you look in and say, okay, let's see where it's at in terms of, you know, PE ratio, where it's into, as in terms of its balance sheet, does it still look like it's a solid company that's going to be fine? So, you know, like if you look at their quarterly financials for their revenue, uh, they're up 247 Two percent year over year, year as of the end of second quarter. Uh, their net income is up this year, so you know you can look at kind of that stuff too and say, okay, yeah, they've had a rough couple of years, but you know it's been a rough couple of years for the supply chain in general. <laughs> so I mean, so you kind of have to look at it from that standpoint too of like, okay, well, you know what what are things looking at looking like, and you know what does it look like going forward? Um, but you know, looking at that as far as you know, dividend stock. Um, when you're just looking for sheer ideas, starting with that dividend aristocrat list really does help out. Yes, well, and actually, we're going to get into that too. And and you know what I would do too, Aaron. I, I'm just I want to be as brutally honest and direct as I can be on these podcasts. If I were looking at 3M. And if I saw the chart that you just mentioned, in other words, that it was higher in 2018 than it is now, I'd try to find out why. Honestly, I would. I would literally just put into Google, what happened to 3M in 2018? I may not get an answer, but I would literally do that. I would, I would satisfy myself before I invested. That's what I would do. But now, before we get too far afield, what I want to do now is I just want to summarize what we're going to do today, because we're going to try to do it relatively quickly. It's four steps and buying a dividend stock. Step one, what are you looking for? Step two, finding ideas, which we just kind of brushed on. Step three, evaluating the company. Step four, managing your risk. What are you looking for? Find ideas, evaluate company, manage your risk, okay? So let's start with step one, what are you looking for? Just because a company, obviously, if you're looking for a dividend stock, you're probably looking for income. But you might be looking for something that's paying a lot of income now, or you might be looking for something that's going to grow their income, like 3M has. They've raised their dividend every year for, I think, 60 years. Uh, so uh, so I was in the last podcast we did about picking stocks, I was saying in 2009, I bought stocks like J.P. Morgan and ConocoPhillips and blah, blah, blah. And I bought them because I knew 
that 15 years later, I might want that income. So I was looking for a company that would grow its income so that when I needed it, I was going to reinvest it in the meantime. But when I reached retirement age and wanted that income, it would be there for me. So in other words, no, just because you're looking for a dividend stock doesn't mean that they're all the same. Are you looking for current income? Are you looking for growth? How about price appreciation? You know, like 3M has gone up a whole bunch. Do you want a stock that's going to go up? Do you want a stock that's going to go up and raise its dividend? Do you want a stock that's going to pay a whole bunch of money now? These are things that you have to know before you start. So know what you want before you get going. That's step one. And I also think we should tell people to be aware of uh, yields that are extremely high. Um, because they, they use these dividends as kind of like a way, like, hey, look at us, you know, buy our stock. Um, so if like, things are like 9.8% or something like that, that's that could be a sign that something might be going wrong with that company too, isn't it? That is it? absolutely true. And that, that should have been part of risk management. Uh, but, you know, essentially, if, if, you're, if you're buying a 3M and it's paying 2% and some other, some other you know, industrial conglomerate is paying 12%, something's wrong with that company. And just because they're paying it now, because remember, dividends are optional, guys. They don't have, just because they paid them for 60 years in a row and increased them every year doesn't mean they're going to next year. There's no guarantees. I mean, remember, General Motors was the largest company on the planet, and it went bankrupt. So remember that, you know, so if, if and one of the first things, one of the first signs of a company in trouble, a dividend paying company, is their dividends really high relative to their price. So what's happening is all these people are selling their stock, which is making the price go down. And since the dividend has not been dropped yet, it's staying the same. That makes it look like a high yielder. But be careful if it's, well, just like anything else, if it seems too good to be true, it is. Right. So that, that's definitely a good point, Aaron. I was going to bring that up later, but that's still a good point. Okay, now let's talk about how to find ideas. And I want to tell you guys exactly what I did for this podcast. I spent three hours doing this the other day. I literally did a web search for best dividend stocks, air quotes, best dividend stocks, air quotes, dividend aristocrats. What's a dividend aristocrat, Miranda? Uh, it's, a, it's a company that has increased its dividend at least once a year, every year for the last 25 years. You miss a year, you're out. And what about the dividend king? <laughs> you have king? to start again. Um, that, ooh, is that the 30 or 35? No, or is that it's the 40 50. year? It's, it's 50. 50. It's 50. I think See, it's 50. I just, I look at dividend aristocrats for my, uh, for my ideas, if I'm going to do that. Um, but let's have a look, see, and let's make sure we, uh, let's make sure we know what that means. Um, aristocrats is definitely 25 years. I know that. Yeah, it is 50 plus years. So a dividend king is 50 plus years, and there are 32 dividend kings is as of 2021. And like 60 dividend aristocrats, right? 62? Yeah, something like that. So. Okay, so anyway, you're looking for ideas. That's Here's what I did. Best dividend stocks, dividend aristocrats, dividend kings. I just put that into Google separately, obviously. Okay, now I'm going to come up with all kinds of articles. A lot of those articles are going to be from the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, CNBC, Market Watch, Bloomberg. And I'll tell you what, who writes a lot about this stuff, Kiplinger and U.S. News and World Report. You, you put in div, best dividend stocks and you will definitely get returned. You, you'll, be, uh, you'll, you'll see links to articles on Kiplinger and U.S. News and World Report, Report. Read those. Now, let me give you an example. This is what I spent hours doing the other day. Okay, so I, I get an article. Here, let's see. Here it is. I get an article called The Nine Dividend Aristocrats to Buy Now. That's what the article is called. It was published on August 19th, 2021. And it was from U.S. News and World Report. Okay, so it tells me nine dividend stocks they want me to buy now. Dividend aristocrats, I'm sorry, dividend aristocrats. That means they've raised their dividend for 25 years plus. Okay, 
Then I, I make a list of those. I literally just cut and paste them onto a piece of paper. Then I go to an article at Kiplinger. Here's what it's called. 13 Dividend Aristocrats You Could Buy to Discount. That was done on October 7th, 2021. Okay, so two different publications, both saying, here, buy these dividend aristocrats. So now what, you know what I did? I looked for the ones that are on both lists. It's funny, I, I did this too. Did you? <laughs> and, and, yeah, I came up with AbbVie, 3M, and Kimberly Clark. Oh, I, I did not come up with Kimberly Clark. I got IBM, Consolidated Edison, 3M, Walgreens, Cardinal Health, and AbbVie. So those are, the, those are the five, I'm sorry, six stocks that were on both lists. The nine best on one, one website and the 13 best on the other website. Six of those were in common. That's a pretty good sign, right? Yeah, you're getting two, two resources telling you, hey, we like these, we like these companies. Yeah. And, and, they're both, and they're both solid resources. I mean, you know, I, I pretty much trust uh, both, both those companies. I mean, I think Kipling's, Kipling's been doing this a very long time, as has U.S. News World Report. I mean, they, they both, they're both aristocrats in the publishing business. They've both been around for many decades. So I, I think that's a really good sign. So that's how I, you know, I literally did this, you know, just to prepare for this podcast. And you can do the same thing at home, folks. I mean, just Google, read articles, see what they have in common. And then, you know, I might go to, and then I could go, let's say that I thought that, um, what's one of these? 3M, okay? I could go Barron's 3M and search that and see what Barron's has written about 3M. I could go Wall Street Journal 3M because I'm a subscriber to both those publications, and see what they've written about 3M. I could go analyst uh, rankings 3M. I could, you know, I could also go to Yahoo, Yahoo Finance, put in 3M, and there's a whole bunch of uh, what all the analysts think of it right there for free. So there, there's a lot of things you can do to start making your own list of dividend aristocrats or just dividend stocks that you may want to own. Now, let's move on. Well, actually, let's do this. Let's take a really quick break, and we're going to talk about how to evaluate these companies that you're uncovering. We'll be right back. And here we are. Okay, we, we made a list by using Google or um, any other, our, our favorite search engine, I should say. <laughs> I, I, can't say I can't say Google that much because I also uh, do a lot of business with Microsoft, so I want to be careful. Use your favorite search engine. Uh, anyway, now we found some ideas. Now we need to know, let's evaluate these companies, though. Just because they're in both these lists doesn't make them good. And remember, one of these lists came from August, and the other one was October, which is just a few weeks ago, but it's still a few weeks ago. Do, what if these companies aren't that good anymore? We need to find out. How are we going to do that? Give me, give me a hint, Miranda. Help me out here. What am I going to do to evaluate these companies? You want to kind of start off with, we kind of touched on a little bit about like, okay, how about those earnings, right? Are the earnings on the rise? And overall, um, are they seeing, are they taking on more debt or are they growing in equity? So there are things like that that you kind of want to look at. And also, you know, you want to look at like, okay, so we talked about whether their earnings are rising or not. Well, how are they rising uh, in in conjunction with like their equity price, right? Their stock price. So you want to look at all of those kinds of things and say, okay, are they a stable company? Does it look like from their balance sheet or from their, um, their, their price, their stock price and their earnings standpoint, does it seem to like, are they both moving together in a way that makes sense for their industry? You know, where is that? And so, okay, so let's, let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's, it seems we're picking on 3M anyway. If we go to like Yahoo Finance, and you search MMM, scroll over to financials, 
has a little tab. You get summary, company outlook, chart, conversation, statistics, historical data, profile, and financials. So you look at the financials, and now we're seeing total revenue, cost revenue, gross profit, operating expenses. So Stacy, how can we use that chart to quickly digest what's going on? I do on something in this really. I do something simpler. I I, I, don't, I I do use Yahoo Finance, but right to second, I'm on CNBC, which I find just a little easier to read. Okay, so I've okay. got the quote up on CNBC. It says it's 181 dollars a share, down a dollar 42 today, um, and the PE ratio is right there. The PE ratio says 17.81. Um, Call it 18. So it's trading 18 times its earnings. Okay, that's what a P/E ratio means. Um, now, 18 is not too bad, but you know what I really like to know? It's trading at 18 times its earnings now. But how does that fit into historical perspective? In other words, that could be cheap for 3M, or it could be expensive. Maybe 3M usually trades at 10 times earnings, and now it's trading at 18 times earnings, which would make it historically expensive relative to its earnings, right? So how do I find that right. out? You know what I just did as I was talking? I I went to Google and I put a historic P.E. ratio for 3M. <laughs> and now I'm on uh, a, a mac macrotrends.net. It's the first link that I came to. Anyway, so it's got, it's got a picture. It's got a graph of the, of the P.E. ratio that 3M has traded at for the last 15 years. And right now, its P.E. ratio is about, it's about average. About, it's, actually, it's actually been higher than this. So it's, it's not trading at a historically expensive P.E. ratio. Now, there are other things to consider, not all of which we can go into today. But uh, like, for example, when the interest rates are really low, P.E. ratios in the market overall tend to be higher. So even if 3M were trading at a higher P.E. ratio than it historically has, I, I might not discount it fully for that. But you see how simple that was, guys? While we were talking, we saw what the P.E. ratio was. And we saw what the historical P.E. ratio was simply by using our search engine. And so that's one thing we can, we can find out. We can find out if earnings are going up. That's also right here on CNBC or on Yahoo Finance or on millions of other things on MSN. So there are lots of ways that you can, because obviously you want the earnings to be going up, right? Obviously you want to buy it at a price earnings ratio that makes sense. For those of you who aren't familiar, again, just it's just the stock's price divided by how much it earns per share. The, the higher that ratio is, the more expensive the stock is relative to its earnings, and the lower the opposite, okay? Also, one thing we mentioned when we were talking about buying stocks in general, is it an industry leader? To me, this is the most important thing when you're buying a stock, whether it's a dividend stock or any other kind of stock. Is, is this company following or is it leading? Is it so dominant? Think, think Google. Is it so dominant that no other company is likely to overtake it? That's huge. And how much how much weight would you hold into the analysis uh, companies out there uh, when you see like uh, the CF Cifra and Morningstar, and they're all giving you, oh, here's the fair market value. Oh, here's a hold. Oh, you, this is a buy. How much? Uh, how much should you? It depends exactly on what you're on talking about, Aaron. But when when I see a company say when I see an analyst say buy, hold, or sell, it, I, sell means a lot because that means they really hate it. But there are lots of companies. I mean, I've I've done this for 40 years, and I was a stockbroker myself for 10. And I'll tell you what, it is very rare for an analyst to call something a sell. They they say buy. They keep saying buy. You know why they keep saying buy? They keep saying buy because they want to do investment banking business with that company. 
Now, theoretically, there's supposed to be a firewall between that analyst and the people who are selling services, like taking companies public and floating bonds for them and all that stuff. It's called investment banking. But in real life, if, if, I'm, if my company's analyst says your stock sucks, do you think I'm going to do business with you when it's time for me to sell some bonds or stock? Hell no. Mm. So That's a good you got to take these, you got to take an analyst recommendation with a grain of salt. And I don't mean to insult all analysts. I'm sure they're doing the best they can with the tools they have. But I, and I'm reading them. I'm just being a little careful if they're overly enthusiastic. You know, if they say sell, pretty good sign that something's wrong. <laughs> so I, I am looking at that. I'm not putting as much weight on it as some people might. Yeah, and these are all different companies. So it's like this first call census recommendation. You've got the Morningstar analysis. Well, every major Wall Street wirehouse has analysts. Right. Is that AI powered or is... Oh, is, no. These are human beings who go and talk to people. In fact, my brother-in-law is an analyst for a hedge fund. Uh, but you, you, you go and you're, you're the expert at that company and you talk to them. You, know, you literally go there you know, and you're, you're responsible for giving an opinion on that company that's accurate. So, yeah, the, an analyst, and that's what, you know, when you turn on CNBC and you see them interviewing somebody every day or Bloomberg, that's what they're doing. They're interviewing analysts. Either the, the, so Some of the analysts are just uh, overall analysts, like they're, in other words, analyzing the economy and the stock market. But a lot of them are analyzing companies, and, and they may have more than one to analyze. But so, yes, you definitely want to read that stuff because these guys are smart. But just just don't, you know, bet your, bet your life on it because there are a lot of companies that have gone from 100 to nothing with an analyst recommendation of buy. Mm, good point. Uh, okay. Now let's talk about risk management before we run out of time. Um, this, we, had, we covered this also when we were just talking about buying stocks, but you know, there are different types of risk. You can have a, the best company in the world, 3M, let's say, as, as our example, um, and you can have uh, you know, the best, it pays its dividend, it's got a great management team, it's got everything going for it. But if the market falls in half, 3M is going to go down. Period. That's just what's going to happen. So, and you see, you can you can do all the homework you want on the company, but if the market tanks, the company's going to tank temporarily, at least. Maybe that's a good time to buy more. But my point is that there's some risk you can control the amount of analysis you do on a company, for example. There's some risk you can't control. You can't control the stock market. Um, you also need to be diversified because some industries will do better than others. I mean, I own Apple. I've made a ton of money on it. I bought GE and I've lost money on it over the last ten years. That's why I have a whole bunch of different stocks, because I'm not going to be right on all of them. So you want to have diversification. And then, of course, there's the unknowable risks like COVID or earthquakes or, you know, global warming <laughs> or wars. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can't control. Uh, so you do the best to control the things you can and recognize that there are things you can't. I just tend to tend to kind of, okay, this is good stuff to be aware of. But in the end, like if it's so much information that you're going to um, run into analysis paralysis, it's time to take a step back well, that's true. and think about it. Well said. That's absolutely true. And you know, there's another thing too, being aware of the market cycle. I mentioned that in uh, the thing we did on just how to buy stocks, but I want to especially mention that here because as I was going over these lists, 15 best stocks from Kiplinger and nine best from US News and blah, 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 you know, because what they do is they say, here's where the stock is when they're talking about it back in August. Well, you know, it, it was 140. And now it's 180 in October. My point is this: maybe I should maybe I should sit here for a while and see if I can get this thing cheaper. If if I think the market's really high, which I do, um, and this stock was has gone up a lot, which it has, maybe I should just sit on my hands for a little bit here. I don't have to buy everything today. Uh, now, just to make sure it doesn't get away from me, maybe I'll buy a little little bit because who knows? Maybe it's going to go up another 50 percent. I don't know. 
but you know, because it was just you know it was forty percent lower just a few months ago, and the market looks really high to me. Maybe I'm just going to buy a little to make sure I have something, but I'm not going to buy a whole bunch. And that way I'll keep some money, uh, keep some powder dry and be able to buy this thing and step into it with both feet when it's a lot lower. So be aware of where you are in the market cycle or this company's profit cycle. That, you know, so that, that helps manage your risk too. You don't want to buy at the top of a market. And, you know, and Miranda's famous for doing dollar cost averaging. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. <laughs> That's what I like to think. <laughs> Yeah, and and, be, and do this for the long term. Remember my example. I was buying stocks in 2009 for the dividends they might be paying me in 2022 and reinvesting those dividends all along the way. So now I, I bought, I think, 300 shares of ConocoPhillips. Now I have um, 450, you know. I bought uh, J.P. Morgan. I don't, I don't know how many shares of that, but I reinvested dividends all this time. Now, both those stocks actually had to cut their dividend in there in the financial crisis, but uh, they're, they're reinstating it now. And, you know, and, and what happens is like, okay, extreme example, Apple didn't pay a dividend when I bought it in 2001, but the Apple dividend now is three times what I paid for the stock. I mean, it's paying like $3. I forgot what it is like $4 a share dividend. I only paid a dollar. So it's paying 400% uh, from what I paid for the stock. So point being it, the, if these dividends go up over time, it's going to keep you ahead of inflation. And it's it's going to uh, it's in the stocks themselves could also appreciate just like I said at the outset of this program, so it's a great idea in my opinion better than an annuity. I would rather buy these types of stocks and buy an annuity or other other ways for delivering income because this income not guaranteed. There's risk, but this income can grow over time, and so can the principal as these stocks go up. So I'm a big believer in dividend stock investing. Other things to add, guys, before we get to our question? Yeah, what if we're in negative PE territory? You mean a company's losing money? Let's say you have a really good company. Like, not about good, but I mean, just it's big. It's been out there. Like AT&T, stock symbol T. Uh, I mean, they, they own a lot of things. They own Warner Brothers, HBO, CNN, TBS, TNT, and, and HBO has actually been doing quite well in the uh, subscriber world. And they're also going to kind of roll up a lot in the 5G sector, but their PE ratio is like negative 81. That means they're losing money. Yeah, I see that. I'm on, I'm on that chart now. Uh, that means they're losing money, right? So that doesn't mean they're always going to lose money, but it means they're losing money now. And, and now here's a perfect example of just keeping your ear to the ground. Because I've heard a lot about AT&T recently by listening to the, watching the shows I watch and reading the things I read. And let me tell you, none of it was good. It was all horrible. So this is a stock that, and I bet you it pays a good dividend. Yep, it's paying 8% dividend. Sounds awesome. But the, but the stock's going down, which is not awesome. So you have, to, you, know, you have to read about this stuff. You have to pay attention. It's not hard. I mean, you really can't swing a dead cat without hitting info on the internet. So, you right. know, just, so this could either be a GM scenario where it goes bankrupt or it could be a turnaround company. It, it probably is not going to go bankrupt because AT&T is monster big. And it'll probably continue to right. pay its dividend, too. But it starts to get scary when a company is losing money and paying a $2 dividend. Because, you know, one of the things they're going to have to do sooner or later to conserve cash is to cut their dividend. Now, I'm not saying right, AT&T right. will do that because they have so much money, they're probably not going to lose their, they're not going to cut their dividend, I guess, you know, but it's the first time I've looked at it. But, you know, when you have a negative P, it means the company's losing money. Oh, and also, if you, you can, there are also um, great dividend uh, ETFs that you can buy, too, if you don't want to buy individual stocks. And a lot of them don't charge that much, like half a percent, you know, to manage the, 
to manage the ETF. So if you want to buy a whole bunch of diversified basket, and you can also look at what those guys own, just go there and look at their look at their mutual funds or their ETFs and see what they own. And that'll tell you some good um, stuff. How does that work? So you buy the dividend ETF, you're still collecting the dividend throughout all of that basket? Yeah, they're just they're, they're just collecting yeah. all the dividends and sending it out to you. And, and, and another advantage of that is you can often get a monthly check instead of a quarterly one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but you can look at those things, and if you want more ideas, <laughs> go see what they're buying. They're the ones who are getting paid to pick up pick up the best dividend stocks, and, and they have to show you with their top holdings. So you can go see what they're buying and buy them yourself if you want to, or just buy their ETF. Yeah, good point. Not hard to do. Do we have a question today? We do have a question. This one is from Gladys, and she says, Hello, Stacy. I'm a longtime subscriber to Money Talks Online Magazine. I have enjoyed reading and educating myself on most of your articles. Yay. Uh, my question is, here it comes. What is your opinion on Bitcoin? <laughs> I'm so excited. Gladys has, does not listen to this podcast probably because we obviously, obviously have a website, and that's probably where she's, she sent her question into. But if she listened to this podcast, she would know that we talked about Bitcoin quite a bit. Uh, I think Bitcoin is anywhere between a revolutionary change in monetary policy to worthless trash. And I'm just <laughs> not sure which one. Uh, so I own some Bitcoin. It is money that I would be, be willing to lose entirely uh, because I'm just not convinced that this is going somewhere. Although the longer it hangs around, the better I like it. And as we speak, Bitcoin is, was yesterday at least hitting brand new highs. So here's the bottom line. I, I like to own a little bit of something just in case it turns into something. And I own a little bit of Bitcoin uh, and some other some other uh, cryptocurrencies as well. But be aware that this is very, very volatile, very, very risky, better than going to Vegas, probably, but as as good as 3M stock, probably not. You know, So I'd be very, very careful. But like I said, I'd have a little bit just because I want a little bit of everything just in case I'm wrong and it goes to a million what do you what do you think, Miranda? Agree or just I know you agree. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I mean, you know, I I have an entire crypto portfolio at this point, uh, but like you said, this is a portfolio that I I view more as. Um, as speculation. Uh, I wouldn't call it gambling quite well, except for some of the coins that I own, like Shiba Inu and Doi Doge. That's kind of like gambling. But uh, I wouldn't call owning something like Bitcoin or Ethereum uh, or even something like Tezos. I wouldn't consider calling that like gambling, but it isn't quite investing, I don't think, yet. I, I, I see it more as kind of a speculation. Let's see what happens. Let's see what comes out on top. Let's see if the use cases bear out. Let's see if this hits a, an actual critical mass in society. So, um, so for me, having a little bit of it is great. Um, I we've talked about this in the past on the podcast, and the, like I am fortunate enough that um, most of my crypto holdings were acquired prior to um, the end of 2017. So, uh, so even though I have added to that since 2017, and since I've done, um, you know, I've I've added, tried different coins, done different tokens since 2017. So that's a little bit different, um, but. Yes, I do find cryptocurrency interesting and similar to you. It is nice to just have something there. Yeah, we'll go ahead and close out our show today. Thanks for your question, Gladys. And uh, we are out of time, guys, but we are never out of topic. You got to dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info on our show notes, including every stock I own. 
Just click on Stacy Stocks, you'll see everything I own. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. I don't enunciate very well, so I have to say that every time. If you've got a question, comment, or topic that you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. It's going to take you two seconds, but it's going to make our day. So if you like us, show us and subscribe and tell your friends. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.